Hey, hey, everyone. This is Adam Picar with BiblioBanter, and uh, it's just, well, it's not just me today, but uh, Lexi isn't here today. She had other uh, obligations to take care of, but I do have a very special guest today. Uh, if you've been to the Gross Point Public Schools uh, at any point in the last, what was it, 34? 40 well, years. Going on a half a century now. Yeah, half a years. century. Uh, as you can hear, the man, the legend himself, Rufus McGaw. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, thanks. All right. Well, um, we've got Rufus on today because just recently he actually uh, published a new book. Um, he's actually uh, rather... Um, a uh, prolific author in terms of having a few books now, but his most his most recent one is Travels, Treasures, and Tales of a Nomad. And um, I've been reading it, and it's been bringing back a lot of memories, like all these little objects and everything that he would have in the classrooms and stuff. So um, why don't you tell us about it? Well, in, in terms of what you just mentioned there, yeah, some of the props that are used in the classroom uh, are mentioned throughout the book. Um, I think the one that uh, every kid that ever sat in my classroom is familiar with is the jelly bean jar full of yes. uh, jelly beans. And if you did something smart, intelligent, answered a question or whatever, uh, you got yourself a Kmart jelly bean, which was always a big treat back mm -hmm. in the day. And uh, then the second thing was that little silly orange bird that sat on top of the jelly bean jar. Yes. Oh my God! I remember. Uh, I remember Birdie. I remember all the pictures with Birdie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring that out that uh, just uh, as a humorous thing and a fun thing to do for all the travels that I've done, which in May of 2017 meant I had completed my quest to visit every country in the world. I took little Birdie along with me, which caused a few problems now and then going into or getting out of a country. Like, why is a grown man traveling around with a little orange bird for three or four-year-olds? But he often showed up in the most unlikely places on the walls of the Kremlin in Moscow, <laughs> on top of the pyramids in Egypt, out in uh, Buddhist temples in Burma, and so forth. So some kids, that would be the high point of the slide presentation mm -hmm. I'd give in that country. Uh, you know, my goal was to teach them as much as I could about every country, but boy, the high point was to see Birdie in some unlikely spot. I, I remember there was one specific one where you had, and um, it was literally a pile. Of, he was literally sitting on a pile of poop. <laughs> <laughs> that was elephant uh, dung that you're looking at. And believe it or not, besides just the uh, humor aspect of it, it gave me a chance while everybody was yelling and screaming for the 50th time, gross or laughing and loving every minute of it, uh, to go into what an inefficient uh, digestive system that elephants have. I think they're uh, kids at middle school or any age their eyes might glaze over if you say, let me tell you about the digestive system of an elephant. It couldn't get more boring. But you see Birdie sitting on the biggest pile they've ever seen. I got their attention. That's what I was looking for. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it worked on me. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, in fact, a lot of things that uh, about the, like, in this book, like, I was... When I got started, I actually remember like a bunch of flood of uh, memories just coming in when uh, you also mentioned Bob Abel. And I'm just like, oh, my God, Mr. Abel. I remember that class as well. <laughs> yeah, he was our language teacher. Mm -hmm. Correct. Oh, absolutely. But uh, um, I, I will say one thing, though, um, that's definitely a thing that I, I, I want to uh, joke with you about is that there's one thing that like if anything stuck in my in my head from the class it's that um, I will be on my deathbed. I will have forgotten everything, 
but I will probably have my last words be the capital of Burkina Faso is Ouagadougou. <laughs> Good memory. I had almost forgotten that myself. Yeah. It was just one of those funny words that kids like to hear. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we had fun with it. And... Absolutely. It was, it was such a brilliant way of uh, doing the learning of the maps. Like, just you, you started up with, uh, I believe the first three in Africa we did was... Ethiopia, Djibouti, yep, and um, ooh, what was the third one? Kenya. Ken- yes, Kenya. Yep. Kenya. <laughs> so those were the those are the first three and everything. So yeah, it was a great way to kind of teach things. And every week we'd add a couple countries more, and that was such a smart way to do it. Thank you. Yeah. So. Uh, in fact, I I had to tell little white lies. Maybe there were big black ones, but the kids. Some of them were suspicious right off the bat of any teacher, including me. Are we going to have to do this whole map? And I'd lie right through my teeth and say, nah. (laughs) I said, it's too much. Nobody could do that, even in college. Fifteen weeks later, every kid in the class, no exceptions, was able to do it, and quite easily. It was was not hard because it was repeat, repeat, repeat from the first ones. It becomes becomes a muscle memory. Yeah, Yeah. right. And if you remember... I did this every single year that I taught on that last map quiz where you labeled almost 60 African countries, all the waterways, the Nile, the oceans, and so forth. Yeah, I remember doing that, yeah. Did all that. I put a cover letter on that and said, I want you to take this home and show your parents. They'll be proud of you. I'm proud of you. And you should be proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. And the the note basically said, uh, no atlases used, no help, no textbooks. Just your kid using his own brain to do this. And most parents were pretty impressed because I don't think most people on planet Earth can fill in the map of Africa. No, no. Um, it, it was one of those things where uh, it, it made me appreciate um, right around the time that you, I was in your class, uh, the show Animaniacs was on. And uh, there's Yakko Warner singing all the countries, which some of them don't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, let's face it. Things change. Like, I'm, I'm fairly, like, I... I'm fairly certain some of the some of the lines have shifted quite a bit, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was quite an amazing class. So, Thank um, you. in this book, the the way it seems to be laid out is um, it's like a museum guide for like all the little treasures and trinkets you've gathered over time, and I I absolutely love uh, the way you uh, basically write out things because you talk in terms of like colors and sensations and things like and memories that they bring about which is a really cool way to kind of give people um an idea of what these mean because like to an average person it sounds like you 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 jokingly call the things you know like the junk and stuff like that but at the same time it's like the phrase one man's trash is another man's treasure exactly so it it really showcases that and and i'm very honest in the book about what the motive is the Mm -hmm. little trinkets that i pilfered borrowed or bought at a very cheap price that certainly is not great art or representative of that country it was the stories behind it it gave me the excuse to and memory to tell the story that uh, took place in that country. I knew I always already had a bit of a uh, leg up on doing this because I knew which stories had resonated so well in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I knew they would do just as well in the book if I could get voice, which I think I was able to accomplish. Oh, very much so. It and, felt like I, like reading, I feel like I'm in your class listening to you. And so many people have said it's just like listening to you. In fact, even strangers uh, on one of the book reviews, I want to say my first book, which was Lo- Longitude and Latitude with Attitude, One Man's Quest to See the Entire World. Uh, some guy out in Colorado said, as I read this book, 
I felt like I was in my kitchen listening to this guy telling me stories. And here was somebody who didn't know me or had never heard my mm-hmm. voice. No, oh, that's awesome. In fact, uh, I mean, just possibility. If you ever want to come in here and record the reading or like a reading of it as like an ebook or not an audiobook, by all means, I'd love to have that happen. But uh, yeah, it's, well, well, we'll look into that. Yeah, because the like it's it's just amazing. Like just the way that you you have a a casualness to your writing that feels like somebody just you know having this 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 fun like time t- talking about things it's not it's not textbooky you know what i mean that's i think the, a key thing for this type of material you don't want it to sound textbooky right i often describe my own books as wisecracking and joking across the various countries of the world even in some of the more serious uh, trips or where things went down really bad or there mm-hmm. were problems even then at the end i can laugh about it after all i did survive i did make it and whatever but i can uh, try to pull the good out of even an, uh, a bad story so uh my book is a little hard too to classify uh, some libraries call it a memoir others call it travel some call it humor some call it all of the above and that's my favorite one all of the above because <laughs> that's the way i write it oh absolutely yeah and uh, that, that's kind of like one of the things i would say like uh it, it feels feels like when like like going back to thinking about like when I was in your class and everything it was very much and all of the above because there was always the humor but you know there there was always like the the knowledge gained and everything about uh, about it like um uh, I just like I remember you talking about um like the joke of uh when you were um, in India, and it was the, the, the downpour that happened, and you saw the cow just <laughs> drop one right on the step, and you just see it coming down, and it's, it's like, it, that's the thing that got the, like, just like the, the, the bird on the dung and everything, is just, it got the attention, and then that was like opening the door so people would absorb what you were about to say. Uh, yeah, as gross as it was, especially for middle schoolers, lesson to be learned, there was a perfect example of learning and showing some interest in a monsoon rain. We often use that, and when we use it, we often think of a lot of rain, but you were able to see the slides there of where I was literally walking ankle deep through water, and this was very typical in countries that get heavy uh, monsoons. So Mm -hmm. you saw it, it resonated. Of course, obviously, back in your middle school years, like any middle schooler, you were hanging out in all the gross or the unusual <laughs> or those sort of things. To be fair, sometimes I don't think I ever came out of middle school. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've, ladies and gentlemen, I'm in charge of children sometimes. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, um, it's it's uh, like it's just a lot of fun, like going through these. Because again, it it feel like it make for me. It's it's a, a safe haven because I loved going to your class and everything. It was always fun, like because the stories and stuff. It's it's like re, like picking up almost as though I'm back in seventh grade and just learning things anew, which is a great feeling. Because a lot of times I think adults have um, sometimes a rough time trying to learn something new because you get to a point where you're like, nah, I don't need to learn this. I'm, I'm grown up now. Now it's like, Oh no, no, no. I want to learn this. I feel like learning this. So it feels like being that kid and wanting that knowledge to fill in the holes and stuff. Yeah. And I I hear similar things from a lot of former students because I see a lot of former students quite a bit. Uh, And as I always tell them, you know, I only got to have you for one year, but now with the books, 
uh, all those trips and all those adventures that I mm-hmm. took long after, you know, you had moved on to high school, college. Some of these kid, kids are now married with their own kids. Plenty of adventures there kept happening long after you left my class. Mm-hmm. There, there's one, there's one of the, your books that I'm definitely going to read when once I get done with this one because I, I, I shocked I didn't read that, uh, read that one was the uh, Joyriding with the Terrorist. Oh, Batman. okay. Because I remember your story about <laughs> about that guy. I'm like, yeah. I, I know exactly what guy he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's um, it's going, it's it's amazing, like just uh, how much you managed to just capture the same essence you did in your lectures and everything um because i remember like at least for the first three quarters i was one of those students who had the uh the 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 quizzes down and everything to the most the last quarter i think end of the year thing was kind of getting to me and you know i i i fully admit that uh i kind of i kind of slacked a bit as a student (laughs) But it, it, I don't think it was too serious. <laughs> I, I remember those days. I didn't let anybody slip too far. <laughs> no, no. I still managed. To, I still managed to pull off high high marks in the class okay. and everything. It was just it, it wasn't getting to the point where I was skipping a, t- a a test every single every single week. It was like and you know every two or three. With enough bonus, you were allowed to skip the reports and so forth. So I did was... not get to skip the, the, no? the report. Okay. But um, it's it's actually funny. This is something I learned about myself in uh, library school. I actually like writing reports. <laughs> like it's it's one of those things where, um, uh, when I was in your class, it was it was weird because I had um, I was on medication for ADHD and everything. But once uh, I when I grown up, I've I've been weaned off of it and everything. I now am able to cope on my own. Not something everybody can do. I'm not saying p- people with ADHD should just do like me. It was just, I happened to be lucky enough that I yep. was able to. But I found that one of my focuses was doing research and everything. It was one of those things because when you have ADHD, you latch on to something and it becomes a fixation. I got lucky that one of my fixations just happened to be research and doing papers. (laughs) Well, it works if you're going to college. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I I definitely prefer that over just taking, like, standardized testing and stuff like that. You tell, like, you want me to apply my my, uh, knowledge let me write a report on what I'm doing and how it matters versus filling in a, a sheet of bubbles. Cause that, that, that doesn't tell me that I actually absorbed anything. That tells me that I memorized facts. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. Um, so is there anything in particular in, uh, in tra- travels, treasures and tales that you um, really hope somebody gets out of it? <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping to get a lot of laughs. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote all the books that way, but uh, with this book, my last one, Travels, Treasures, and Tales of a Nomad, uh, I was re- really able to recall and get some good uh, humorous uh, stories uh, out in the book. And it happens from everywhere from Antarctica. I was just going to say. <laughs> where one day the wind chill factor was 74 degrees below zero uh, to stories about crossing the Sahara Desert after the Jeep broke down and finishing, <laughs> the, <laughs> finishing the trip on top of a camel, which to anybody listening to this, uh, if you want a camel ride, make sure it's a short one because I can guarantee you uh, that is one of the most uncomfortable rides you can have on planet <laughs> Earth. But uh, you do what you got to do. One or two hump. <laughs> uh, this one had two. Oh. <laughs> uh, you got to know. And I can't remember. What, what's the difference between one and two humps again? 
Well, they're a different uh, breed, if you would, and uh, usually the single humpers are in Central Asia. Right. Most of the time, the two humps are in Sahara, Africa, that That's area. right, that's right. Um, so, yeah, that that's absolutely fascinating. Uh, looking forward to getting to that part in there. I did re- read the, because the, uh, it's early on, the Antarctica part and everything. That brings me to uh, one of my other questions. How did you get a penguin? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I hope you're jesting on that because I really did not kidnap uh, a penguin, and he is not living in the uh, the sink drain for the wash machine. But that's okay. that, that's how I started the book off as as a joke, uh, hoping that everybody saw that I, I was joking on it. I I, I, I I figured as much because I'm just like the, the way that you're talking about this with with some uh, with some uh, beer and everything. I'm like, okay, he's clearly joking, but I gotta ask anyway. Right. Uh, no, my only souvenirs were some Antarctica rocks that I have, and that's about it. There's not much to be had down in Antarctica except cold and some of the most pristine beauty that I've seen anywhere on Earth. I'm always hoping that means something because of the mm-hmm. sheer amount of traveling that I've done uh, to say that it is one of the most pristine pristine places on planet Earth. I will say that is one of the things um, I, I also do remember was sometimes you just have a slide in there that, like, you didn't really have anything to say about it other than this was just beautiful. Mm, it was right. just like, it was always just like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like it, it, you pull back from the, 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 the rush and buzz and everything that you're doing and just take a moment to appreciate that. So it's, it's, it's always nice to, uh, to, to have that kind of, um, pause and brevity and everything because while you've got the humor and everything like that it's also like again you have a way of describing things that um it's vivid and everything i might even say um tolkien-esque in terms of like being able to describe like the surrounding areas and stuff and i actually mean that as a positive because in a previous podcast i mentioned that i do think lord of the rings might be one of the most overrated fantasy books (laughs) um I love The Hobbit, but I think Lord of the Rings is actually a bit of a slog to get through because <laughs> um, it's written like a textbook. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you've got a way of being able to describe, like, like when you're just describing that the, the, the basement museum, I'm like, yeah, I can actually, like, picture going into a house and just seeing this and everything. So, you know, yeah. most people who know me or have heard of me or whatever, whether it be former students, friends, or family, uh, when they talk and use my name with the word travel, most people usually associate my name and travel with the more exotic, the more far away, the more dangerous, and so forth. But I feel, and some people who have finished the book already will back me up on this, that some of the stories a bit closer to home really resonate and can turn out to be funny stories. Like my driving down through the south and going through Plains, Georgia, a very appropriate time maybe to mention it due to uh, Rosalind Carter's uh, death just uh, yesterday, Mm -hmm. but meeting the not famous Jimmy Carter, the infamous uh, Billy Carter uh, with his new beer out, uh, Billy Beer, (laughs) and me driving back to Michigan in a wreck of a little Fiesta, Ford Fiesta, with 16 cases of that rot gut beer because the kids had let me know for years that they were all, just about all of them were beer can collectors, 
and uh, I was bringing that beer home. So once I finished it, they got the empty can. I even write in a book there. In, in these days where it's so politically correct and everything, uh, I wonder how that story would go down now with a headline, teacher handing out beer cans in classroom. But back when I did it, none of the parents had a problem. None of the mm. kids did. The principal or nobody else had a problem. It was an innocent thing. Kids collecting beer cans. I happen to be a guy. In fact, I write a couple stories in there about picking up beer cans all over the world for my students and uh, bringing them back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, and um, I think, you know, with the, given the fact that it's neat souvenirs and stuff like that, like I could see a headline having um, an issue, but uh, one of the problems is people don't typically read past the headlines anymore, <laughs> but uh, I, I try to make a point too. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a cool thing to be able to, um, like the weird, like you say, close to home stuff is sometimes the most fascinating and most interesting. Like um, this one didn't happen to me because I was unfortunately dealing with um, finals for school and stuff. But I had friends who went to uh, the Sleeping Bear Dunes and everything. And I get to come back as I find I get to come uh, see them when they come back. And it's just like, yeah, I almost caught hypothermia. I'm like. Kind of glad I missed that one. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you almost catch hypothermia in Michigan in the summer? <laughs> oh, it can be done on those lakes. It can yeah. be done in those lakes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the it's the stuff that's close to home that uh, that resonates a, a lot of times because, in a way, you it's hard like. The furthest I've been from the country is Mexico. I do plan on taking a uh, uh, trips elsewhere now that I actually have a job where I can actually save some money to do so. Um, <laughs> my plan is to um, definitely go see some parts of the world and everything. Um, obviously, I will <laughs> will be hitting you up for tips and everything <laughs> on that. Um, well, you always remember uh, it would have happened in your class, too. <laughs> I was always very close with my students. They were in middle school young, but uh, pretty sharp kids. And I'd always tell them on the last day of school, I only get to be your teacher for one year, but I get to be your travel advisor forever. And kids, now adults, take me up on it like there's no tomorrow. There's probably 10 or 15 of my former students every single year make contact with me. Hey, I'm going to Asia. What should I see? Or uh, while I'm in Asia, what's your best bet, Japan or Thailand? I don't have time for both. Which one would you advise? And I give my best advice to them and continue to do so with student, former student after former student. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm going to definitely hit you up on that once I, I've, I'm, I've got to get my passport and everything <laughs> cleared first. So there's that. Um, but yeah, um, going, of what I was trying, what I'm trying to say is though, going out to some places like, yeah, I can give you a perspective on home, but then it makes you appreciate the stuff that's nearby a lot more because you can you you see like um, like even just kind of like living vicariously through your slides like seeing just how things were very very different um, like in the Middle East and everything um, just like how things were very different from uh, the perspective like on the ground traveling and everything versus what we have here. Um, it, it's it's such a big difference that then you like now have a sense of scale so that you can then see like simply the difference between like Michigan and say South Carolina 
Mm-hmm. Like it gives you it gives you that broad thing of like, I mean, in Amer- America, it kind of is an interesting thing because in a way, yeah, we're fifty states, but technically, like it, from in terms of a culture, almost every state is a country in that regard. Size wise, they they, they can definitely yeah. do it. Size wise, geographic area. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely like certain like almost country like specific cultures to states and everything, and it's it's very interesting like how much different you can see just the neighbor next door, as it were, uh, state wise. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people also forget that uh, besides uh, traveling to every country in the world and making a visit and seeing hopefully the best sites in those countries. Uh, that I also did all 50 uh, states. And uh, to me, it was a very worthwhile thing to do. Every state uh, has its own interesting things to see, their national parks, their state parks, uh, and whatever. So, uh, And the fun thing, as a world traveler, traveling in America, of course, is my home, and it is so much easier, so few problems compared to traveling overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, that that does make a lot of sense in that because uh, there's a lot of ways that going overseas can go wrong. <laughs> but uh, Well, you had heard some of the stories in the classroom. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been arrested in countries, as you know, in Zimbabwe. Uh, I was arrested and thrown into a prison. I was charged with blowing up their Air Force. I swear I didn't do it, and I'm still standing by that story. But at any rate, uh, yeah, I've, I've run into some problems. That's not even going into missed flights or uh, other breakdowns of transportation uh, as I move from one country to the next. All right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because it's like... Um, he's like, yeah, and going back to having to ride a camel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because when you're closer to home, you have, an, you have a lot more ideas of like, okay, I'm in a situation. How can I get out of this? But when you're overseas, like, how do the locals get out of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, much more uh, serious uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're overseas. Yeah. And, of course, in all my books, I, I find that the readers, I, I do have trips from the United States and funny stories and good stories. But the, the main thing that I know uh, students and readers always want is the more exotic, the more foreign, the places few people uh, mm-hmm. have been. Places like North Korea, where I've been, Libya, uh, Somalia, these were, each and every one of them was very tough uh, to get into. And no surprise, hey, saw a lot of strange and interesting things uh, in all these countries. Mm-hmm. And it uh, basically uh, reaffirmed some of the beliefs or ideas I had. In other cases, it contradicted what I had heard uh, or read. Yeah, because just getting getting an external viewpoint and everything like that, like up close and personal can definitely do that to a, to a person. They can kind of be like, okay. No, this is right. Or you'll be like, sometimes it'll be like, this is very different than I expected. So. Right. You, yeah. you, when you travel, you'll run into both. My advice always has been to people to keep an open mind. And I did that back in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, when I went to the communist countries, especially the USSR, uh, mm-hmm. Russia today. And again, I wasn't trying to turn out uh, little middle school Marxists or anything, but you might remember when I would show those slides, I would say, well, they're, you know, it's not all bad. It's not a system I want to live under or you want to live under, 
But look at this fantastic mass transit system that they have in their cities that we don't have. Mm -hmm. And let's take a look at some things as to why these Russian people might be supporting their government and so forth. It was just to get kids and the reader to think a bit as to why, uh, you know, this sort of thing is going on, why people would support a communist government. It's all they knew. They didn't have much choice anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yet there were some things to be said about the culture or the civilization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, uh, we are pushing what would be uh, considered where we, we become, I become the long-winded librarian. <laughs> um, is there any particular, uh, any particular thing you want to, like, like piece of advice you want to give, uh, like, to, as a kind of a closer out uh, here, Rufus? Yeah, I, I urge people to read uh, travel. doesn't have to be my books, but read travel. And then, of course, if they can afford it and their health is good enough, Uh, to get out there uh, and actually uh, do it. It's always a learning experience. And if you are not somebody like me that has to go to every single country in the world, just pick out your favorites or your good ones. It's always a learning experience. Uh, Both my sons, both my boys have traveled with us. And that's the thing they remember from their childhood as much or more than anything else, the trips that we take. Every time we talk about travel, and I took my two boys on a safari to uh, Africa and oh, Kenya, nice. <laughs> and the high point, that one was in middle elementary school, one was in middle school, and the high point was the monkey jumping out of the tree onto our dining table, swiping some bread and running down the table and back up to the tree. I think those two boys will remember that as long as they live. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you build up memories and everything. Yep. Well, um, Rufus, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me today. And, um, yeah, uh, if you want, uh, very soon it will be on the shelves. Um, Travels, Treasures, and Tales of a Nomad will be uh, on the shelves of the Gross Point Library, and you'll be able to pick it up. Uh, Keep checking in, and uh, it'll be on there within the next couple weeks. So, um, absolutely. Uh, Once again, thank you very much, Rufus. And... It's been an absolute pleasure. It feels like I'm in seventh grade all over again. <laughs> well, I'm glad you think that's a good thing. <laughs> well, it, it kind of is. <laughs> so, um, once again, thanks for listening, everybody. And y'all have yourselves a wonderful rest of your day.